Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today morning podcast on the 24th of January, 2023. I'm Andy Eubank with the latest Indiana farm news, markets, and weather coming your way. And the Hat Podcast is made possible by First Farmers Bank and Trust, proudly serving local farms, families, and agribusiness for over 135 years. Learn more at ffbt.com. Coming up in the news, C.J. Miller introduces you to the new House Ag Committee Chairman. Eric Pfeiffer reports on getting tough on weeds. At Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin's Indiana Farm Forecast and an update on the winter storm and snow totals you can expect. Also the markets yesterday, a sharp sell-off. John Zanker has analysis on the Hat Morning Podcast. The land of the free is also the home of the hardworking. What if this is the year you take your farm operation to the next level? At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we're proud to serve the people who not only work until the sun goes down, but until the job is done. With over 135 years of commitment to agriculture, we'll find the solution that's right for your operation today and tomorrow. Visit ffbt.com to learn more. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. It's a Memorial Day weekend, going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about home heat. <laughs> <laughs> to agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important. We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you. <laughs> Listen now on all platforms. New ag leader at the State House and a tool for weed control. I'm Eric Pfeiffer and this is Hoosier Ag Today. Improving soil health and water conservation is the goal of one of your state lawmakers who is guiding legislation that directly impacts Indiana farmers in the ag industry. C.J. Miller has the story. I farm for 33 years in South Porter County, so I have a pretty good idea what the business is all about. And that's State Representative Mike Aylesworth, who represents the 11th House District in northwestern Indiana. He's also the new chair of the Indiana House Agriculture and Rural Development Committee. Aylesworth says one of his top priorities is improving soil tilth and water conservation across the state. I just see uh, around in my own area, and when I farmed, farmers weren't very careful about doing tillage in the fall and that exposed the raw soil to winter rains and runoff. As a result of that, the soil gets away from the farms and we're losing topsoil at an alarming rate. And uh, after all, we're interested in food security in this country, and it's very important to keep the topsoil where it's at. That's why Ellsworth says he's written a bill to tackle that issue. A Water Development Commission bill that allows other areas of the state by uh, watershed area to form their watershed commission. One of the goals is to look at topsoil erosion with watershed protection. That's one of our biggest problems is uh, egg runoff and we, we need to do a better job with that, keeping uh, soil out of our streams. Among the other policies impacting rural development is increased accessibility to broadband. Although Aylesworth says he wants to see broadband readily available in all parts of the state, he adds, it's going to take some time. It's just a very expensive process, and I like it to 
the late 1930s when electricity was brought to rural America through the Rural Electrification Act in 1935. And on our farm, for instance, we didn't get electricity where I live and where I'm the trustee of until the early 1940s. It takes a good number of years because it's so expensive. But the long-term goal is to get everybody on broadband. You can hear more of my interview with Indiana House Ag Chair Mike Ellsworth at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm C.J. Miller. There are plenty of hot topics in agriculture, from inflation to policy to equipment shortage. But year over year, farmers are still most concerned with a couple of things. The weather, which we can't do a whole lot about, and weed control that we can. The main reason we brought Tough IVC to the market is to control resistant weeds. It's a whole new mode of action. That's Troy Bettner, commercial director for Belsham, the maker of Tough 5EC corn herbicide. It's not going to go away. It's only going to get worse. So it's now like what tools do we use to fight this or keep this at bay? And so Tough 5EC, we brought that to the marketplace for growers to put in their tank to help fight that resistance, get better weed control, which means better yields, better return on investment. Bettner says Tough 5EC is especially effective on pigweeds, palmer amaranth, water hemp, common lambs quarters, and other broadleaf weeds. It's a contact herbicide with a wide application window. Tough can fit in a burn down, you know, before they're going in with their crop or as a uh, post-emergent application when they're already going through with their herbicides, putting tough in the tank. Because, you know, all the universities are now are saying we have to use multiple modes of action in a tank. It's not just one product anymore. You need multiple products going in. So it fits in their normal program. It's not a different timing at all that they're, they're not used to doing. If you haven't already, Bettner encourages you to be thinking about your weed control program now. He adds they have a healthy supply of tough 5EC. You've seen what escapes, you know, heck, wheat escapes, they're throwing out half million to million seeds each plant. So you start thinking about that dissemination, that proliferation, and we're talking about a lot. So when they start thinking about their weed programs for next year is make sure tough is in that tank as part of their weed program. For more information, visit BelshamUSA.com. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. Still looking at a mess as we move through midweek. And guess what? Midweek is tomorrow. So let's talk about this, the snow event that's working its way into Indiana. I guess let's talk first about today. We should be precipitation-free for most of your Tuesday. Clouds and Maybe some sunshine, but clouds will be increasing, especially this afternoon and evening down in southern Indiana. But I don't want to jump too far forward here without saying today is going to be a dry day. No new precipitation for your Tuesday. Now, we get to midnight tonight. Precipitation noses into southwest Indiana first. The snow starts near midnight, continues to spread north and east through the overnight, and then we continue to see it move through the day tomorrow. Low pressure tracks right now from basically northeastern parts of Arkansas up through western Kentucky and then running right along the Ohio River from Louisville to Cincinnati, then tracking across Ohio all the way through the Cleveland area. So that low track does put the biggest potential snow right here in Indiana. I also think the biggest potential snow is going to be in central Indiana, basically along an axis from... Muncie, you can make an argument for Decatur, but I'm going to say Muncie back to Terre Haute. That's what we're seeing here. But the snow continues all the way through your Wednesday. Winter storm watches are already out. I expect those to get bumped to warnings at some point. Not because we have an inordinate amount of snow, but it is going to be a significant, a potent system overall. Right now, I'm staying pat with three to six inches of snow for 100% of the state. 
where we get a little bit more interesting is there will be some eight plus inch totals across parts of central Indiana. But right now that band could be very narrow, could be wider. I don't think we're looking at 10 to 12 inches like some outlets are trying to talk about, but eight inches, definitely possible. Slightly over eight inches is possible as well. Everything winds down at least in terms of good snows through the overnight, but we see plenty of cloud cover and lingering flurries through your Thursday. And the thing that we also see Thursday is an increase in winds. The winds actually ramp up later tomorrow night through Thursday. So if we see any blowing and drifting at all, it will be in that Thursday time frame. Friday, mixed clouds and sunshine, but I don't think we have any new precipitation. A little bit of flurry activity overnight Friday night into Saturday. And then Sunday, we have another round of scattered snow showers that I believe will lead to some accumulation central and north. Could see rain mixing with snow over areas from I-70 south. Next week, Monday, dry. Tuesday, Wednesday, snow. On Tuesday, hit and miss flurries. And then Wednesday, we have some well-organized precipitation coating to a few inches of snow possible. And we finalize the entire week with cold Canadian high pressure coming back. Temperatures below normal as we move through the first weekend in February. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin. A sharp sell-off to open up the week. This is Hoosier Ag Today. I'm Andy Eubank with the Monday Farm Market Review, brought to you by Seed Genetics Direct. Visit them in the North Wing at the National Farm Machinery Show, and they'll even give you a price list. Value, knowledge, performance, it's in their genetics. Settlements coming up, first market analysis, which I secured right near the end of trade from John Zanker. He's with Risk Management Commodities in Lafayette. John, a pretty sharp sell-off to start the new week, and we can look at weather, whether it's the weather here in the U.S., uh, beneficial rains for the wheat growing areas or especially Argentina and rains that fell over the weekend and more rains in the forecast very helpful thereby pushing corn and soybeans sharply lower to start the week well some of the uh, Argentine areas have been damaged enough to where uh, this will still help but uh, losses have occurred however this is a pretty big deal uh, we we knew that if it came it was going to be similar to one of those weekends you see here in mid to late june when the forecast flips over the weekend now this really wasn't a forecast flip um we had been under some pressure late last week with the idea that we were going to see some rains in argentina the rains that actually fell over the weekend were better than expected and that's not been uh, the typical case here in the last few weeks, we, we usually see some rain and then we come in and the reports are less. And then the forecast is maybe hot and dry for a few days with more rain and the extended forecast. This time they actually fell and the reaction was, has, has been pretty hard. And uh, again, no great surprise other than Argentina. There's not a lot going for this corn market right now. Uh, we did get some help from the USDA with the, uh, with the acreage drop. Uh, for the last crop. But other than that, um, we just uh, we're struggling to find reasons to be bullish. Soy meal market also applied some pressure as it went lower as well. The funds have been big buyers of soybean meal, soybeans. And uh, so it was inevitable once that forecast changed. Uh, boom, here we go. And uh, southern Brazil have been suffering a little bit too, uh, catching some of that Argentine drought. They need some rains. They got some rains. Really, the only Brazilian state now that's struggling is Rio Grande do Sul, and um, they raised about 10% of the bean crop, so they're not as important as they used to be in the olden days. Uh, right now, <clears throat> if 
Argentina was to lose up to 10 million tons, uh, Brazil could offset those 10 million and have another 16 million tons on top of last year's crop. So that's almost 600 million bushels, Andy. And uh, I'm not sure who's going to soak that up uh, unless the Chinese really ramp it up significantly in the coming year. Export inspections out Monday morning. Looks like maybe in the range of expectations, nothing exciting there, though. Any impact ultimately on the market, though, with that report? Well, corn was disappointing. It just... Uh, 28.6. We'd gotten up over 30 points or up over 30 million, just over 30 million last week. So maybe trying to trend in the right direction, but we fell back. Uh, soybeans at 66.4. That's a pretty good number for this time of the year and, and, and keeps the recent trend going. Uh, and they ramped up last week's to 80.5 million. So that's a number we tend to see more often in October and November, not in the middle of January. So I've really been pleasantly surprised by soybean demand. And um, I think that's probably keeping the losses at a minimum. In fact, we're eight cents off the lows right now. So uh, at least we have that going for us. And I didn't think we would have that going for us at this late stage of the game here. Uh, um, Brazil is actually getting soybeans from its northern areas in position to export. So that number, those numbers will start to fall. But uh, again, we've exceeded expectations here in the last two, three weeks. And uh, whether that can help us bounce back uh, remains to be seen. John Zanker, Risk Management Commodities. The number there, 866-837-9027. Now settlements from Monday trade. March corn loses an even dime, 666 and a quarter, the final number. May settles at 665, down nine and a half. July, 654 and a quarter, nine and a quarter lower. 16 and a quarter off on March beans. 1490 and a quarter, May 1487 and a quarter, 14 and a half lower, a 13 cent drop on July beans going to 1480 and March wheat 720, that was 21 and a half cents down. The meat markets did finish mixed and worked that way most of the day. April live cattle 16055 up 62, April lean hogs though 8545 settling down 27 cents. I'm Andy Eubank with the Monday market review. This is Who's Your Ag today, timely, relevant, credible. 